Well, good morning, Springbrook. Welcome to the house of the Lord for worship this morning. We are so delighted that you are with us. If it's your first time here, or maybe your first time back in a long time, welcome. A special, special welcome to you. We are so glad to have you with us. If you're worshiping with us online, welcome to you as well. I want to remind you that we have online hosts who are available for you all throughout the service to answer your questions and spend time in prayer with you. So go ahead and engage in that chat throughout the service. And if you'd like to, click the request prayer button for a one-on-one -on -one prayer chat with one of our online hosts. They are standing by and ready and would love to spend time lifting up your praises and prayer requests to the Lord with you. We want you to feel connected to this community, even from far away, wherever the Lord has you today. Well, if we haven't had the chance to meet yet, my name is Bethany, and I'm the worship director here. Our call to worship for today is from Revelation 19, and I'd like to invite you all to stand for the reading of God's Word, and I'd like to invite you to read the second half of this passage with me. And when you see the words, you'll understand why it was not right for me to read it by myself. So let's read God's Word together. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory. Let's do just that this morning.
voices together to our King Jesus who is seated on the throne.
Revelations chapter 21, verses 3 through 4. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning voices together.
family, let's come before the Lord together in prayer. Father God, we praise you. We praise you. You are so good. You are good even when life is not. You are good even when our everyday, day in and day out, feels like chaos. When there's so much uncertainty, when there's so much division, when there is so much fear coming at us from every direction, you are still good. And because of that, it can be well in our souls. What a miracle it is that we can have peace even in the midst of the world that we are living in. And Father, I know that for some in this room, it doesn't feel like that right now. It doesn't feel like it's well with their soul. Some of us are grieving really, really hard losses. Some of, some of us are anxious. Some of us are afraid. Some of us are extremely weighed down and depressed. And so it can be hard for it to feel well with our soul. And we thank you that you are constant, even when we can't feel you. You are faithful, even when we don't believe it. Father, we proclaim who you are in this place, and we ask you for more faith to believe that everything we sing is true. And so much more, you are so much more than we can sing, than we can wrap our minds around. And so I pray for each person in this room, for those worshiping from far away, from wherever you have them today. I pray, Holy Spirit, to come in only the way that you can and meet each person with courage, with comfort, with conviction. Will you make our hearts open and tender to receive you today? Make us aware of you. We don't have to invite you to come. You're already here. But will you open the eyes of our hearts to see you as you move, as you work, as you draw us in? And we depend on you, Holy Spirit. We rely on you fully to open our eyes to see and our ears to hear and our hearts to receive what you have for us in your good and perfect word this morning. So come and do your work here. Transform us. Send us out to represent you, to look more like Jesus to this broken world. Father, we love you. There's not enough words in the world to say how much we love you. All of this is for you. We pray this in the matchless name of Christ Jesus, our King, who is seated on the throne. Amen. And amen. You may be seated. Amen. Well, good morning. We are so glad that you are with us. My name is Richard. I'm the lead pastor of Springbrook. And if this is your first time with us this morning, we want to extend a special welcome uh, to you, whether you're watching online or in person with us this morning. We're glad that you are with us. Every Sunday at Springbrook, we celebrate what's called Stories at Springbrook. It's an opportunity for us to celebrate life change. It's an opportunity to celebrate the work that God is doing in and through the lives of people in our congregation and uh, we have, uh, if we don't do a Stories at Springbrook, we have a baptism service or we'll do communion. And so this Sunday, we have uh, just a quick video I want to show you of some baptisms. And so we have had seven baptisms uh, so far uh, in the last couple of weeks. And so that's been exciting. We have two more baptisms scheduled 
uh, next week. And so uh, it is encouraging to be able to celebrate the work that God is doing in and through the lives of people in our congregation. We've had several people that have made faith commitments, and so we're in the process of uh, encouraging them to take that next step of baptism. We have new people in our small groups. We have people that have signed up for our spiritual gifts uh, workshop, and so people are engaging in conversation uh, with their friends, their neighbors, and their coworkers at Springbrook. And so we just want to take some time to celebrate that. If you have a story that you'd like to share, we would love the opportunity to get that story from you. Maybe it's something that God has done in your life, maybe through a relationship. Uh, maybe you're interested or have questions about baptism. Uh, whatever your story is, we'd love the opportunity to capture that. So uh, you can go to our website, springbrook.org slash stories, or you can find it on Instagram. You can find it on our app. You can find it many places. There's a little place for you to click my story. And we'd love the opportunity to talk with you about that. In fact, this morning, if you're watching online, uh, you could just say something in the comment section. Fill out that online connection card. If you're with us in person, you've got that welcome slip on your seat, so you can take that out. Uh, just give us your first and last name, any information you'd like to share. Maybe if you've got a story, you can write it right there on that welcome slip. And uh, Pastor Matt or I will give you a call the next week, and we'll kind of help you uh, with that story. We'd love the opportunity to celebrate what God's doing in your life. We know God's working, and it's so encouraging to be able to share those stories um, together. And so if you've got any questions, uh, be sure to let us know. We'd love the opportunity to talk with you about that. We have our VBS is going to be kicking off pretty soon, and so if you have not had an opportunity to register your kids, if you are interested in attending VBS uh, with your kids, uh, you'll want to be sure and register for that quickly. We've got a limited number of spaces. The leaders are in place. The teams are coming together, and so we want to encourage you uh, to register your kids. This is a great opportunity uh, to invite your friends and your neighbors to attend with you. And so uh, we have a limited number of seats and so uh, available for kids, and so uh, we want to make sure that we have uh, people that are new to Springbrook, maybe people in our community. Uh, it's a great opportunity for us to be able to connect with them. So if you have any questions, be sure and visit our website. All the information about VBS is there as well. We have Brief Share that's kicking off uh, in January or on June uh, the 5th, I believe. And so if you've lost uh, a loved one, maybe a family member or a friend, you go to our website, um, springbrook.org slash grief share. It's also on our app. Uh, you can sign up for that and get all the information uh, there as well. It's uh, going to be a Saturday, uh, June 5th. And then if you uh, are new to Springbrook or maybe you've been around Springbrook for a while, maybe you've been watching online and you're trying to figure out uh, where you fit in uh, to what God's doing here. We have a starting point workshop that's going to be kicking off next Wednesday. It's not too late to register for that. It's uh, 7 p.m. Uh, in the evening. It lasts about an hour and a half. It's only two weeks long. It's a great opportunity for you to hear a little bit more about our church, our vision, our mission, uh, those kind of things. And if you have not yet downloaded our app, um, you'll want to be sure to do that as well. Everything that you need to know to stay connected uh, to Springbrook um, is there. In fact, we made an announcement last week. If you got our weekly email or on our website, we're moving to uh, 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 mask optional environment on June the 11th in conjunction um, with the uh, governor's announcement. And so um, we'll be doing mask optional here. Uh, our seats are going to continue to remain um, so socially distanced and safe. Um, and we've got some wristbands available out in the lobby. And so you can put one of these on if you want to when you come in the door. Green says, I'm comfortable, um, I'm not wearing a mask, I'm okay with hugs, and so green is as I'm approachable. So if you're wearing green, uh, you are hug-worthy. If you're not sure about the masks, uh, whether you have a mask on or not, we just need to kind of be safe, you know, keep your distance. Then we have yellow, so there's a yellow band out there, you can wear yellow, and just says, hey, I'm glad to be here, but you know, uh, just keep some distance. And then red says, hey, glad to be here, stay over there and talk to me from six feet. <laughs> In fact, I've heard a couple of jokes. My wife told me, even after COVID, I want you to stay on that side of the room. <laughs> 
So this has been nice for people that are, don't like being around people a lot. You know, just stay over there. So if that's okay, you know, we want to respect people regardless of where you are. Um, we, are we are glad that you are here. We want to create an environment that's safe for you. At the same time, we're looking forward to building some relationships. Some of the things that we've been doing at Springbrook, um, we want to continue to do. And so we're not in a big rush to get back to normal because there's some things that we have done really well this last year, and we want to continue to do those. Some of the things that we stopped doing while we were not meeting together, we don't want to pick back up. (laughs) And so we want to move slowly into this season. We want to make sure that we're listening to one another, that we're respecting one another, and that we're seeking God together. And so I'd encourage you to be praying for our church, for our ministry, uh, as we move through this transition, and for other churches and for our state as well. We want to continue to make sure that people are safe well, we are in the middle of, uh, we're not in the middle anymore of our series on uh, the book of Revelation. And so um, we have um, almost towards the end, we've got two more weeks left and then we're going to close with a third week. Uh, but if you are visiting with us today, even though we're getting close to the end, you pick a good day to be here because we're going to be looking at the new heaven and the new earth. So this is going to be a great message. It's something that we're all excited about. And it was really a struggle for me when we were working through Revelation 4 to describe how beautiful that scene was in heaven. Today, we've got the challenge of looking at not only the beautiful scene in heaven, but what does it mean when heaven comes to earth and Christ returns and we get to see the new heaven and the new earth. And so I'm excited about um, our time together this morning. We started with uh, creation. We looked at the fall. We looked at the fact that we had a sacrificial system in the Old Testament that enabled us to have a relationship with God until a uh, Messiah appeared, Jesus Christ. Uh, We found that to be true. We looked at that on uh, Palm Sunday, Good Friday, and Easter. Um, The Jews today are still waiting for a Messiah. Uh, But we discovered as we looked at uh, various passages of Scripture as we moved through the Old Testament that we find Jesus Christ is our Savior. He is the promised one. He is the Messiah. And so that's the good news, that, that we can now have a relationship with God, not through a sacrificial system, but through a relationship with Christ. And that is something um, to celebrate. We looked at the fact that all of the Old Testament sacrificial system has been fulfilled in Christ. And we are now in the church age. We have the, the body of Christ. The temple curtain has been torn open. We have direct access to God. We're in the church age now as we wait for Jesus to return and establish a new heaven and a new earth. And so as we move through Revelation, um, we looked at the fact that the Revelation, uh, that book is a message that was for us today. It's not that we're just sitting around waiting for Christ to return. The book of Revelation has something that is relevant for us today. It is for our benefit and for our encouragement. And then we looked at the fact that uh, we're to stand firm on our faith. And we looked at the seven messages to the churches um, to encourage them in their faith. We got a little glimpse of heaven as we looked at God's splendor. We moved into uh, Revelation in uh, 6 through chapter 19. We looked at God's holiness and justice, and we looked at his judgment and how that was going to pour out through a series of trumpets and seals and bowls. And so we looked at God's judgment, Um, and if you read through that and you read through that all on its own, it'd be quite scary because God's judgment uh, is something that is required as a result of his justice because he is holy and we are not. But we looked at the fact that we have nothing to fear because of who we are in Christ. And then last week, uh, the last week we looked at the reign of Christ. We saw that we could trust him. We looked at his millennial reign. We talked about the different views about that. Christ is going to reign, and he will be our Lord. He will be our Savior. There is no question about that. And then last week, 
We had an opportunity to hear from David Nelms uh, from the Timothy Initiative, looking at the fact that Jesus is the solution for us today. We got to celebrate the work that God is doing in and through our missionaries, the work that he's doing uh, in various areas of the world, and we got to celebrate the fact that Jesus is the solution for a lost and broken world. And then today, we're going to be looking at the new heaven and the new earth. That is where our hope is. And then next week, we're going to look at the fact that Jesus is going to be coming soon, and then we're going to summarize our series the following week. But today, we're on Revelation uh, chapter 21, and if you brought your Bible with you, uh, you can turn with me there now. The good news is it's easy to find. Go to the very end of the book. It's right there towards the back. And if you're watching online with us this morning, there's a place for you down at the bottom. Uh, You can click that word Bible. Uh, You can open it up, and you can read along with us online as well. We're in Revelation chapter 21. Beginning in verse 1, it says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. And he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all the liars, their portion will be in that lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is their second death. We're going to stop there for a moment. You know, that fire, that judgment that's going to get poured out on the earth, we've looked at that, but our hope in Christ is for something much more than that. As we look at Revelation chapter 21, there's a couple of things that we're going to look at this morning with regard to what does this glimpse of heaven look like, but I want to stop for a minute and I want to look back at Genesis chapter 1, at the very beginning of the Bible. You see, we're at the very end of the Bible now. And I want to go back to the very beginning for a moment. I want to read with you a couple passages from the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 1, in verse 1, it says this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw the light, and it was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and there was evening and morning that first day. And then God said, let there be an expanse in the waters, let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse, and he separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse, and so it was. And God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening, and there was morning the second day. On the third day, the earth brought forth vegetation Verse 14 says, let the lights in the expanse of the heavens separate the day from the night, and the stars were placed into the heavens, and it was evening there on the fourth day. God said, let the waters swarm with living creatures, 
let the birds above the earth fly across the expanse. And there was evening and morning on the fifth day. And then on the sixth day, God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creeping things, and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And then in verse 26, it said, God said this, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all of the earth and over every creeping thing on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Down in verse 31, it said, God saw everything that he had made was good. Behold, it was very good. And there was evening and morning on the sixth day, and then God rested on the seventh day. At the very beginning of the Bible, we see creation. At the very end of the Bible, we see a new creation. And everything that we have in the middle is the result of what we're experiencing now through the fall. You see, what happened is, as we move into chapter 2, we see that the Lord God had planted a garden in Eden to the east, and he put the man in it who he had formed. And out of the ground, the Lord God made us spring up a tree. Its pleasure was the sight. It was good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And a river flowed out of Eden to the water, the garden, and it divided there and became four rivers. The Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to keep it. And the Lord said to him, you may surely eat of the trees of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you should not eat, for in that day you will die. Then the Lord God said, it's not good for him to be alone. I will make a helper for him. As you move over to verse 22 in chapter 2, you see that God takes the rib out of the man, and he formed it into a woman, and he brought it to the man, and he said, this at last is the bone of my bones, the flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman, because she was taken out of the man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. They shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked, and they were not ashamed. And then what happens is Satan tempts Eve. And then Eve gives the apple to Adam. They eat the fruit, and sin enters into the world. It's disobedience. It's the disobedience of God's word. It's disobedience from God's command. And as a result of that, we're going to have cursed ground. Ladies are going to have pain in their childbirth. Satan tempts Eve, and the world is cursed. As we move into uh, chapter 8, Adam and Eve were with God. After the fall, they hear the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden. They were with him in the garden of the cool of the day. The man and the wives hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees. But the Lord God called to the man and said, where are you? Well, I heard the sound of you, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from that tree, which I commanded you not to eat? Sin enters into the world, and we see the fall. As a result of the fall, women are going to have pain in childbirth. There's going to be a power struggle with the roles for their husband. As we read down into verse 17 and verse 19, we find that the ground is going to be cursed in pain. We shall eat all the days of our life. Thorns and thistles shall bring forth from you, and you shall eat of the plants of the field, but by the sweat of your face you shall eat your bread. Beginning in verse 22, the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing the knowledge of good and evil. Now, lest he reach his hand out and take from the tree of life also and live forever, the Lord God sent him out from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man at the east of the Garden of Eden, and he placed cherubim in a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the tree of life. 
There's no access. At the beginning of the book, the beginning of the Bible, we see in Genesis, we see creation and we see the fall. And as we turn towards Revelation today, we see a new creation. We see a new heaven and earth. And we see a reversal of everything that happened in Genesis chapter 1 through 3. God created the heavens and the earth in Genesis. As we move to Revelation, we see a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth have passed away. Everything that you see is going to be destroyed. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. In Genesis, the Lord God had planted a garden in Eden. And and we move towards Revelation, we see a new holy city, a new Jerusalem coming down from heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And so we've lost Eden, but we have gained the new Jerusalem, the holy city. As you continue to look down through some of the differences there, in, in Genesis, they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden. They were with him. But because of the fall, the Lord God drove the man out of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. And they have to, and they're separated from God. As we move towards Revelation, we see that the dwelling place of God is now going to be restored, and God is going to be with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. We're going to move back into the presence of God. Cursed is the ground because of you, and pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth from you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. This world is fallen, it's broken. You don't have to look around too far to see how messed up the earth is, do you? All that we see that is broken is a result of the fall. As we move towards Revelation, we find a new relationship. We find a new scene. God's going to wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed. This is the new heaven and the new earth. And it sounds absolutely wonderful, doesn't it? Let's take a closer look. Have you ever wondered what heaven's going to be like? I know there's a lot of conversation about what heaven's like. I, my mom went to be with the Lord exactly um, four years ago yesterday, and so we were celebrating. I reflect back on some of the conversations I had with my mom uh, just before she passed, and all of our conversations were about the assurance of how good heaven was going to be. And the assurance of because she was secure in her relationship with Christ, she knew where she was going to be spending eternity with him. Ever since the garden, we have been on the outside. All the experiences that you have have been experienced from the outside of Eden. Jesus was the closest thing that we've gotten to being with God. He physically came to us, and so we can when we think about what heaven's like and when we think about what God's like, we get a glimpse of that as we look at who Christ is. But then Jesus left and he gave us the Holy Spirit and now he's in heaven. But God is still present with us. You see, there's this reality that heaven exists. We know God exists. There's a place that we're going to be here, but sometimes we wonder what that's going to be like. All we know is, is our experience. We know that there is pain. We know that there is suffering. We have hope that through Christ we don't have to endure those things for eternity. But when we get to heaven, all the things that we're experiencing right now are going to be gone. In heaven, there's going to be no more tears. There's going to be no more death, no more crying. God's presence is going to be with us, and he's going to take those things away. 
he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. There should be no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. That's a wonderful list, isn't it? This is what we have to look forward to. The former things have passed away. Everything that we're experiencing right now is going to pass away. And I want you to notice that it is God that is going to wipe away every tear from their eyes. You know, it's interesting because it's been my experience that most people don't like to cry. I don't like to cry. There's times when uh, I might whimper or I get choked up or a little tear. But I think in general, we don't like to cry. You know, some of you might be in a situation right now where, where you are crying. You know, we have a comforter. We have the Holy Spirit with us today to give us strength, to see us through our most difficult times. But there are times when we just feel like a good cry. There's been a couple of times that I have cried. In fact, I had an event happen in my life not too long ago when my mom passed away, actually. <laughs> the first question my kids, all four of them, asked my wife was, did dad cry? <laughs> There's something about crying. We choke things up. You know, we try to hold it back. For some reason, we think, hey, we, we try to push our way through it. And we need to be able to release those emotions. You know, it's okay to cry. And when we get to heaven... God's going to wipe away our tears in a sense that he's going to take away everything that's troubling us. He's going to wipe our tears away. Everything's going to be removed that would cause tears. There's going to be no more death. There's going to be no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. In heaven, all of these things are going to be taken away. All pain, sorrow, and death is going to be taken away. You know, in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says that the wages of sin is death. We are all going to die because of sin. We are all separated from God because of sin. From heaven's perspective, though, when we get there, all the work is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I'm going to give from the spring of life without payment. You see, we die right now because of sin. That's the payment. The result of our sin is death. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. We all die because of sin. And we're all separated from God because of sin. In heaven, there is no more death. And there is no more payment that will be due. Because of our relationship with Christ as Christ's followers, having a relationship with him, we get to experience the benefit of that relationship, the benefit of forgiveness. We get to experience the fullness of his presence, and there will no longer be a payment for sin. We're going to be in his presence for all eternity. We will be with God. He will be our God, and we will be his, and it's not going to come at a cost. It's not going to come as a cost. The one who conquers is going to have that heritage. If we live our faith out, if we can stand firm on our faith, when we stand before God, we can be sure that we are going to experience this for all eternity. You know, this relationship, this heavenly scene that we're describing right now applies to those that have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that have lived their faith out to the end. Back in the beginning of Revelation, we looked at chapter 2 and 3. We looked at those seven, lesser, seven letters to the churches. I don't know if you remember that. But we looked at those seven letters. And, and, and in each letter, God identifies for them 
areas that need to be strengthened out, and then he encourages them to conquer towards the end. In other words, whatever is going on in your life that needs to be straightened out, straighten it out and stand firm in your faith and conquer to the end. Overcome those things that distract you from your relationship with Christ. Fight for your faith. Conquer. And as we get to this scene in Revelation, what we see is it's going to be filled with all of those who have conquered, who have lived their faith out faithfully, who have endured, who have stood firm. And and then there's those that will be called his children. See, God loves the whole world, but only those that have a relationship with his son that stand firm in their faith does he give the right to be called his child. You know, heaven is going to be an awesome scene. Just looking down through these few verses, we get a little bit of a glimpse of what heaven and earth are going to be like. It's going to be absolutely glorious. It's going to be splendid. The new heaven and the new earth, God is going to dwell with man. We're going to be in his presence. There will be no more tears, no more pain, no more sorrow. We will have eternal life with him forever. And we find that it is for those that conquer, that are able to endure and live their faith out to the end. The other thing that we saw from that was the holy city, the new Jerusalem. The holy city and the new Jerusalem is the focal point as we kind of move through the rest of Revelation chapter 21. In verse 2, it said that he saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. You see, the church is the bride of Christ. He is the head, and it's the bride. You know, this past October, my wife Carolyn and I have been married for, uh, th- for 36 years. And I will never forget that image of her walking through those doors as I was standing up towards that front waiting for her to come down. It's an image that I sheared in my mind. In fact, I was intentionally going, okay, I got to remember this. I got to remember this. There's something beautiful about a bride that is adorned for her husband that is walking towards her. You know, it is an image that reflects the beauty that we'll see as we see this new heaven and this new earth coming down. The church is the bride of Christ with him as the head. And we looked at that scene from Revelation chapter 4. We saw what heaven looks like today, you know, right now, where Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, where we saw the, 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 the 12 pillars on one side and the 12 on the other side. We saw the 12 tribes of Israel. We saw the 12 apostles. And then we saw the heavenly hosts that have gathered. We saw all the martyrs, this heavenly scene of all of those that have been of faith that have gone before us. In addition to God's being present along with Christ and the Holy Spirit, all of that is present in heaven right now, and this scene is it now coming down. That entire scene that we looked at in Revelation chapter 4 is now coming down to earth. And that's what we have to look forward to, and that's what John sees. He sees all of heaven coming down. As we move into the back half of 21, we see some descriptions of this holy city, this new Jerusalem He says, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain. And he showed me the holy city, the new Jerusalem that was coming down out of heaven from God, having glory of God, its radiance, like the most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. You know, I tried to uh, do my best at trying to describe what heaven looked like in Revelation 4, but uh, it just fell short. 
There's nothing that you can do to describe the beauty that you find in heaven. It is absolutely perfect. If you take the best, most perfect image that you can conjure up in your mind, heaven is a hundred times better than that. It is the glory of God. It's its radiance, like the most rare jewel, like Jasper, Chris, Clister, coming down to us. The new city is coming down to us as the bride of Christ in all of its radiance. In verse 12 and verse 14, it talks about the fact that heaven is like a high wall. This new city, this new Jerusalem, has a high wall with 12 gates with the names of 12 tribes of the Son of Israel were inscribed. And the wall of the city had the 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles. And so we see the 12 tribes again. We see the 12 apostles again. It's that glimpse that we had in Revelation 4. We now see on this holy city, this new Jerusalem, that is coming down to greet us. This is reflective of the completeness of this holy city. It's reflective of the completeness of this new Jerusalem. You know, it's described with the 12 tribes and the 12 apostles. In other words, this city is now complete. From an Old Testament and New Testament perspective, it is a complete and perfect city. The use of numbers is frequently used to describe perfection. In Revelation, in the next verse, in verse 16, it said the, the city lies four square. Its length has the same width, and it measured its city with its rod, 12 stadia. Its length and its width and its height are equal. It's a perfect cube. 12 by 12 by 12. He also measured its wall, 144 cubits by human measurement. It's 144 cubits by human measurement, which is also an angel's measurement. You see, this 12 numbers of holiness, the 12 tribes and the, and the, and the, and the 12 apostles, you know, 12 is reflective of a, a, a perfect number. It's a reflective of a number of wholeness. And we see the number 1,000, the number 1,000 as we talked about when we were looking at the millennium symbolizes immensity. It's, it's completeness. It's a, it's a perfect whole number. So you see the 12 and the 12,000. It's a reflection of perfection and wholeness. And 12 times 12 is 144, tying this perfect city together. Frequently throughout scriptures, we talked about it at the very beginning of those series, numbers are used to reflect imagery and symbols as you move through Revelation. And so we have to understand when we're looking at these different passages, which ones are symbolic and which ones are actually numerical. And so there's some discussion about how to best understand this. But from the perspective of looking at the holy city, this new Jerusalem, it's perfect. It's perfect. It reflects everything in wholeness in the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's got the Israelites. It's got the tribes. It's got the, it's got the apostles. It is, it is perfect. And it reflects all indications of perfection. The point is not just doing the math. The point is, is that we are now perfect in Christ. This holy city is perfect in Christ. In verse 18 and 19, it talks about the wall being built of jasper while the city was like what? Pure gold, like clear glass. See, at this time, finding clear glass was something that would have been very difficult to do. Glass wasn't like what we experience today. You, you walk up to a piece of glass and you can see right through it. And so at this time, you know, glass was dull. You, you didn't get a lot of clarity around it. So when it's talking about clear glass, it means perfect glass, something that we take for granted today. But for the writer at this time, that was a big deal. And it was like pure gold with no impurities. Think about how many times gold has to go through the refiner's fire, getting all the junk out of it before it is 100% pure. 
This wall was built of jasper. The city was pure gold like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. Every kind of jewel you can think of were adorned on this wall. Jasper, gold, clear glass are all indicators of perfection. And then we move into verse 22. We find that there is no temple in this city. There's no temple in this city, for the temple is the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb. You know, the Old Testament revolved everything around the temple. It's where the Spirit of God was. God's presence was in the temple. And it reflected in the temple, and you can see it with a cloud in it by day, with a fire in it by night. You had the priests serving in the temple. The sacrifices were brought to the temple. Temple life in the Old Testament was the focal point for the believers. When Christ died on the cross, the temple curtain was torn open. We now have the Holy Spirit in us, and we are the temple of God. And so this temple imagery is something that has been really important up until this time. And when you get to this new holy city, this new Jerusalem, there is no temple because God is there in person. And Jesus is there in person. The temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. All of life is going to revolve around the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we all get to be present in us. God is now with us. God is for us. God himself will be the focus. As we move into verses 23 and 24, we get a little bit of a glimpse of the glory of God that gives light. God's glory is so bright, there's no need for the sun or moon to shine on it. The glory of God gives its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. And by its light, the nations will walk. Undistracted. All of heaven and earth is going to be focused on God. God's glory is going to be so bright, there will be no need for the sun or the moon. And he is going to continue to be a light into our path. All the nations will walk by his light. He's going to continue to light our path, and the glory is going to be so bright, there will be no darkness found in heaven. There's going to be no darkness. There's going to be no evil. You know, in 1 John, when we talks about um, the security of who we are in Christ, that which we saw, which we heard, which we believed, which we looked at, we're proclaiming this to you so that you can have joy with us. And then he says, if you claim to walk in the darkness, yet don't live in the light, you're a liar. And so many times, darkness is affiliated with evil. And so not only is there not going to be the need for the sun and the moon, but there's going to be no darkness. There's going to be no evil. It's going to be a perfect place. And it's going to be perfect in a sense that it's secure. No darkness, no evil. As you move into verse 25, the gates will never be shut by day. There's going to be no night there. They'll bring, they will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. Nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is detestable or false. Only those whose names are written in the book of life will you find there. The gates of the city will not be shut by day, and there's going to be no night. In other words, the gates will never be shut. I grew up in a town of Manford, Oklahoma. I was uh, born and raised in California, uh, down in Southern California, and there was a lot of violence. We moved to Oklahoma. Uh, We lived uh, in Manford, Oklahoma, population 500. There was 300 kids in my third grade class, 
And we moved to Manfred, Oklahoma. The whole population, the entire town was 500. And my dad was the mayor. And we knew everybody. Everybody knew everybody. And you know what's funny? When we left, it took us a while because we had just come out of Los Angeles. And you know what Los Angeles is like? Man, you, if you don't lock it down, you're losing it. I mean, it, it was really a, it was a place that you really had to be careful. You had to know where you were going. You had to be, we moved to Manfred, Oklahoma, and all of a sudden it's like, we didn't even lock the doors of the house. I mean, it was an adjustment. And in fact, it was so funny. We'd be on a trip, and I can remember my mom and dad going, did you lock the door? I didn't lock the door. Did you lock the door? I mean, there was a sense that it was a secure area. You know, everybody knew everybody. Everybody trusted everybody. When we get to heaven, the gates will never be shut. There's going to be no night. There's going to be nothing unclean. There's going to be nothing that we need to worry about. It's going to be a perfect place. There will be no one there that is detestable or false. Only those whose names are written in the book of life. Then here's the best part. As we move into chapter 22, the last glimpse that we see of the holy city, the new Jerusalem, the angel showed me the river of the water of life, brightest crystal flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb of God through the middle of the street of the city. And also on either side of the river is the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit yielding its fruit each month. We have moved back in to the Eden. The holy city, the new Jerusalem, we are a part of that now, and we are present with God, and we now have access to the tree of life again. And that is something to celebrate. God is present. No more weeping. No more gnashing of teeth. God's splendor is glory. He's the focus. No distractions. Nothing to worry about. And all of this is going to last forever. Verse, tw- uh, verse 5 says, Night will be no more. They will, not, they, will, they will need no light of the lamp or sun. The Lord's glory is going to be their light. And they will what? They will reign forever. You know, I'm hoping to get 80 years out of this life. That's Psalm 90, 10. You know, that's one of my favorites. I number my days. I forgot to look to see how many days I had left now. It's probably 9,000. I don't know. This life is temporary. I'm going to be here 80, 90, 100. I think I can squeeze 110 out of it. How many years are you going to squeeze out of this life? Let's go for broke. 120. I think 116 is the age of the oldest person right now. And then this life's going to end and we're going to spend eternity somewhere. If you have a relationship with Christ, you have the assurance of spending it in heaven with God forever and ever and ever. That's a really long time, isn't it? We're going to spend eternity with God. The new heavens and the new earth, this holy Jerusalem, are going to be stunningly beautiful, absolutely perfect, God-focused, without darkness, We're going to have access to the tree of life, and we are going to be eternally secure forever. Doesn't that sound wonderful? You know, is it no wonder that Paul longed for heaven? The Apostle Paul writes this in Philippians 1, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet, which one shall I choose? I can't tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire, my heart, is to depart and be with Christ. 
for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Paul's desire was to be in heaven with Christ. And is it no wonder? If you think about Paul's life, the persecution, the things that he faced, some of you today are facing persecution. Some of you today are longing for home. That's where my heart longs for. My heart longs for heaven. Anything that I think of that I'm going to leave behind will be fulfilled in heaven. My need for a relationship with my spouse, friends, finances, money, job, pay, everything that I long for today, anything that is taken away from me, if I'm in God's presence, will be fulfilled in Christ. No more weeping, no more pain, no more sorrow. Every need that I have is going to be fulfilled when I get to heaven. And while I'm here, I know that God has a plan and a purpose for my life. As anxious as I am to get to heaven, and as anxious as we are to get to heaven, we know that God has something for us today. Our first priority is to share that hope that we have in Christ with people that do not yet know about Jesus. One of the purposes that God has for me is to help others to understand how to have a relationship with Christ. This church exists to help people in our community to get established and rooted into a relationship with Christ. That's why we exist. Our first priority should be able to get as many people there with us as we can. It's going to be a great place, and we don't want anybody to miss it. And while we're here, we want to sharpen one another. We want to build one another up in our faith so that we can endure the end and we can conquer and find ourselves there. We need to encourage one another that we can conquer, that we can stand firm, and we can live out our faith. If you have a relationship with Christ this morning, I pray Paul's prayer for you in Colossians chapter 1. From the the very day that we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking what? That you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. My prayer is if you have a relationship with Christ this morning, that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you can walk in a manner that is worthy of the calling that you have been given. That you can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints and light. He has delivered you. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to this kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we find the redemption and the forgiveness of sins. We should pray that for each other. Let's encourage one another as we live out our faith with the full knowledge of his will, spiritual wisdom and understanding, that we can walk worthy and bear fruit, be strengthened with his power. And if you're unsure about how to have a relationship with Christ this morning, maybe you're not sure if you do have one, I pray that God would capture your heart so that it would not be a question that remains for you. In Acts chapter 2, Peter stands up to give his first sermon. He tells people about a need for a relationship with Christ. He says, let all the house of Israel know for certain, for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus who you crucified. When they heard this, they were cut to the heart. 
John 6, says that no one comes to the Son unless the Father draws him. God needs to convict our hearts. He needs to draw us into a relationship with Christ. And when they heard about Christ, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the rest of us, what should we do? Repent. Be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, and you will live to look forward to the promises of the new heaven and the new earth. And you'll be a part of the new city, the holy city, the new Jerusalem. If you don't have a relationship with Christ this morning, it is a heart issue. You can look at the math. You can look to the, you know, if you just have it up here and it doesn't come here, then something's going to be missing. If you are not sure you have a relationship with Christ this morning, I pray that God would draw you to himself this morning. It's not the words. I sometimes have reluctance in using this because we can reduce our relationship with Christ to a simple prayer. I prayed the prayer and I walked off and and nothing changed in my life. But if in your heart you believe that Jesus Christ is God, in your heart if you believe that he, he died for your sins, that he paid the penalty for your sins on that cross, that he was resurrected and that he came back to life, as best as you know how, you can ask Christ to come into your life and take control, to not only be your Savior, but be your Lord, so that you can grow in all knowledge of wisdom and stature and stand firm and endure to the end. And so it's my prayer that if you don't have a relationship with Christ this morning, that that would be a step that you'd be willing to take with us. If you're watching online right now and you want to know more about how to have a relationship with Christ, all you have to do is click that little button that says, hey, I want to know more about how to have a relationship with Christ. If you're in person with us this morning, If you'd like to come up, I'd love the opportunity to pray with you or talk with you about that this morning or on your welcome slip on the back of that. There's a little place that says, hey, I want to know more about how to have a relationship with Christ. I don't want anybody to miss out on how great heaven is going to be. We have a lot to look forward to. And there's a lot of things that we've studied as we've gone through the book of Revelation. It's my prayer that as we've gone through it, you've been encouraged in your faith. That's what the book was written for. It was written for our benefit and for our encouragement. And I pray that God will continue to draw each of us closer to himself as we seek to fulfill the plans that he has for us. Would you pray with me? Father, I just want to thank you uh, for this day you've given us today. I thank you for the reality of the new heaven and the new earth. And I just know, I know how insignificant and far from you I felt personally, as I was even trying to describe it and trying to glean from your word what it looked like. But God, I know it is magnificent. And I want my friends to be there with me. I'm looking forward to being there. I just pray that you would continue to draw those that have questions about you in a relationship with yourself. I pray that you would encourage uh, my fellow Christ workers, my, my fellow Christians, my friends, that they would be able to endure towards the end. God, increase our faith as we seek to fulfill the plans that you have for us individually and as a church. I look forward to all that you have for us. We look forward to that day that we can stand before you. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's stand one more time together. If you are able, let's respond to this word that we've received this morning.
trying to get my scripture up. Forgive me. Does anybody have the face ID on their phone? It doesn't want to do it with the microphone. Oh my goodness. I want to thank you guys so much for worshiping with us today. Technology is not always my friend. Thank you for being with us. It's truly an honor. It's truly a privilege to spend this time with you. I hope and pray that you've been encouraged by the word that Pastor Rich brought to us today, that you go out encouraged. This is our benediction from Revelation 1. To him who loves us, and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Go now in faith to love and serve the Lord. Have a blessed, blessed week in him.